Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Yesterday we started a new series of programmes, God's Purpose for His Church. You started off by saying that to belong to the true church, the church as God planned it and intended it, you have to be baptised. And uh, you admitted, Colin, that it is a contentious subject to some, but not scripturally. So I guess that raises the question, well, how do we know that we belong to the to the true church? Is there a true church and, and an untrue church? Well, there is only one church. And you see, if, if you look at the church from God's point of view, it is not any particular denomination. It is not any one particular church. Those who belong to his true church are all those who, as I said yesterday, have been born again and have received the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they have repented, they believe, they've been baptized, they've received the Holy Spirit, those four things. So those are who belong to the true church. When you look at the church as we see it, then you could say that in any particular congregation, uh, there are people that belong to the true church and those who don't. In the one congregation? In the same congregation. Um, now, this raises, you see, another very important issue. It might sound contentious, but we've got to face it. Should the church be exclusive or inclusive? Now, by its very nature, it has to be exclusive but there is a sense in which it is to be inclusive. So let me explain this. If the true church consists of those who are, who have repented, who believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and all that he did for us on the cross and through his resurrection, uh, if there are people that have been baptized as believers and have uh, received the gift of the Holy Spirit, that makes them whether they want to be or not, it makes them exclusive. It's saying, well, the church is a holy people. That's what God calls us to be, a holy people, holy nation, a people set apart for God. That's what holy means. So the church of Jesus Christ are those who have been set apart by God to be his people, his, his holy people, his covenant people. Um, you remember Jesus at the Last Supper said, this is my blood of the new covenant. Now, a covenant is like a, the nearest you can explain it is, is to say it's like a, um, a, a marriage relationship. God has, if you like, taken these, this group of exclusive people to be his bride. That's his purpose. And one day he will come again for his bride. And his bride will not be any particular denomination. It won't be all the denominations together. It won't be all the independents either. It will be everyone who has these four things. They have repented, they believe, they've been baptized, received the Holy Spirit, and are living in union and fellowship with Jesus Christ, which is what those four things make possible. So every individual Christian has to check that he ticks all the boxes, as it were. Absolutely. And that, of course, we're seeking to live in unity with Christ. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll come on to that later. So there is a sense in which the church is an exclusive people. But although we have been set apart from the world, we are to be witnesses to the world. 
So we are to be reaching out to the world and bringing people into the life and fellowship of the church. So in any given congregation, if that congregation is doing its its job, you will always have those that do not fulfill those criteria, but who are seeking God, who are being brought into relationship, a, a real living personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So they're, they're being drawn to the point of repentance and faith so that they can be baptized in water and then also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They're on a journey. They're, they're, that whole process, which is the initial part of salvation, um, is 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 taking place in their lives. Then, of course, once they become part of the church, then those are the people that are working out their salvation with fear and trembling. They're living as the saved people of God. Now, what, what does that mean? Well, we've, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the gospel being the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, you cannot say that the church and the kingdom are the same. They are not. There is absolutely nothing wrong with the kingdom. The kingdom is wherever Jesus Christ rules and reigns. But the scripture says the church is full of spots and wrinkles. Why? It's full of all kinds of impurities and, and is not yet the body, the refined body for which Jesus Christ is going to come, to which he's going to return. You know, people that think Jesus is going to come uh, any day now kind of thinking, you only need to look at the church and say, well, we're not really ready, are we? To, we're not the kind of bride that Jesus is coming back for. So there's plenty of work to do in the church as well as the church impacting the world with the gospel of the kingdom. So the church is exclusive in the sense in which I've explained. The people set apart for God and for his purposes, inclusive because the purpose that they have those people who are the church, the true church, is to reach out into the world with the message, the life, the power of the kingdom of God. And God has empowered those who are true believers uh, with the life of the kingdom. Remember what we've learned the last few weeks, that the kingdom of God is not over here or over there, but the kingdom of God is within you. So, you can't say that the church is the kingdom or the kingdom is the church. That's a very mistaken uh, concept that some people have because the kingdom is here, but it's still coming, but the church is very much here. However, uh, what you do have to say is that the, those who belong to this one true church of Jesus Christ are those who have received the kingdom of God, are living the life of the kingdom, and reaching out into the world with the gospel of the kingdom. When we look back to the times of the early church, Colin, 2,000 years ago, which I guess is, is when the church was born, is it the case that the early believers understood these things very clearly? That's why the church grew so rapidly. Yes. I mean, you see all these things uh, evident there in the book of Acts. I mean, this is how we can understand um, what the church is supposed to be. Remember that the Holy Spirit had been poured out in a very fresh way. Everything was new, fresh. Nobody knew anything at the beginning, you know. And so what you see in the early chapters of the Acts of the Apostles is the Holy Spirit forming the church into what God intended his body to be, intended the church to be. So it says in, in chapter 2, 
at the beginning of chapter 2, they receive the Holy Spirit, the first 120. Then we have um, Peter's sermon and and uh, 3,000 were added to the church. So now you've got 3,120. And, of course, they were all baptized. Those 3,000 were baptized. So it's very likely that that meeting took place on the steps to the temple and at the entrance to the temple were the purification baths so they could have been baptized immediately. But now you have 3,120 people in the church. Good church. Uh, what great. Good-sized good church, yes. But, you see, it says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to four things. So... Now the church has got to form itself into what God intends it to be. Now, what did they do? They devoted themselves to what, to what the Scripture calls the apostles' teaching, to the Word of God. They were taught the gospel of the kingdom. They were taught what it meant to live the life of the kingdom here on earth. And, of course, they were equipped by the Holy Spirit to reach out beyond the church with the gospel of the kingdom of God. Secondly, they devoted themselves to the fellowship Remember that the command that Jesus gave as part of the new covenant was to love one another as I have loved you. So now they devoted themselves to the fellowship. Now fellowship means the sharing of life. So it says they met every day together, they prayed every day, they were in each other's homes, they ate together. Uh, there was tremendous sense of fellowship, of belonging, of unity. They were all of one heart and one mind. Then thirdly, they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. They devoted themselves to what Jesus had done at the Last Supper when he took the bread, broke it, and said, this is my body. And he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this is my blood of the new covenant. So they were actually doing this every day in the, in the life of the early church, not just once a month or once a quarter or something like that, which is what happens in some churches, but they were doing it every day um, because they were living in such awareness of uh, what God has a had accomplished through the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. Woven into the fabric of their lives at, at mealtimes. It Absolutely. was a natural Yes, I mean, it wasn't a priest at a service. It, this would have been the believers gathering around the table, and as they ate, just like Jesus celebrated communion first at a supper. Uh, so... Um, this is how they would have received in the early church. And, of course, later this came into some abuse, which which Paul had to correct. You know, you're just coming and you're having a supper and you're tucking in, feeding yourselves, not worrying about what others have got. And some of you are even getting drunk with wine, at the, which proves that they had wine at their, at their meetings. But, um, you know, obviously Paul was sitting on the abuse. But he also says, you see, that um, he was taught this by the Lord himself. And uh, so, uh, you know, it, that me, many are sick and some have died because they haven't discerned the body of Christ. They didn't realize the significance of this. But then very quickly, fourthly, they devoted themselves to the prayers. So you see, now you see the life of the church being formed, a people that are men and women of the word of God, they love one another and are living in fellowship, sharing their lives together. They are a people who have this sense of living in the good of the cross and the resurrection, and they are devoted to prayer. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 